0: I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real life hardship. And we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom. And that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her Podcast H E A L. Honor, elevate, and love her podcast. Formerly known as the Owaka My Stilettos Podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Libby Ward is a digital creator, speaker, and mental health advocate with a deep commitment to breaking the cycles of trauma. She's known for talking about hard things, and every week her content reaches millions of women around the world. Libby is currently focused on reaching more women with her perspective, changing stories through speaking engagements and partnerships that make a real impact. She's been featured on Global News, Motherly, Insider, and many other media outlets around the world. So please welcome to the show, Libby Warren. Thank you so much. I'm so looking forward to this conversation today. I am excited because I know that you focus on motherhood and mental health and breaking the cycles of trauma, and that's totally in alignment with what I've been on and what I've been focusing on, um, helping women to find peace, clarity and connection. So I am just excited to dive deeper into this conversation and find out more about how you got to this part of your journey. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So, okay, before we talk about where you are today, let's start at the very beginning. What did you want to be as a little girl? And is that connected to, you know, who you are today and how you got to where you are? That's a great question.
1: When you said let's start at the beginning, I'm like, okay, the beginning of what? Like life? <laughs> There's, It's so contextual, right? It's like, do you want to know my trauma or my favorite color? So that's great to know um, what I wanted to be as a little girl. Interesting question. I wanted to own a corner store, which when I think about it, I, you know, I moved around a lot. We moved like every year. We lived in poverty, raised by a single mom undiagnosed personality and mental health disorders. Life was a struggle. And I remember going to the corner store and just seeing them take money from people who are buying things and put it in the cash register and looking in the cash register and being like, they have so much money like they can just go to the grocery store and buy whatever they want look at all the money they have like these corner store owners must be so rich and so i aspired to own a corner store or like a dollar store or something because as a child that's where you know, i saw money and i knew that we struggled so of course you know that changed as a teenager i wanted to be a teacher and different things changed but as like an actual child i wanted to own a, own a corner store and isn't that so fascinating for like our perspective on the world. I like, I didn't know anyone with an education. I didn't know anyone who had a job Mm -hmm. um, or a job that they had a university education for. Um, I didn't have a lot of experience with other adults other than the single parent that I was raised with. So my world was so small. And so I wanted to be a corner store owner and I, and I don't own a corner store now.
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) it's such, how do I say this? Like when you look at our environments, our environments that we grew up in, the environments that we're in now, how that shapes our perspective of the world mm-hmm. and you sharing like how you grew up. Cause you know, I, I love to find out from people in your, your beginning of your journey. Like, did you grow up in luxury? Did you grow up in poverty? Because sometimes that affects our drive and you know, our view of the world, but seeing how something as simple as a corner store owner like made you aspire like, wow, they have money. They have things that we aspire to have, right?
1: Mm-hmm. They have but, enough. I
0: just wanted to have enough. Yeah. I didn't
1: aspire to be rich. I aspired to have enough and to have money not be something that took over my thoughts and my life. And it was just something that was there and that I wanted enough. I didn't want to be rich.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. So how has that affected who you are today? Like, How does that connect to who Libby is now? It's changed a lot. When I first, we'll say,
1: come of age, became an adult, went to university for the first time, I was very much a perfectionist. So as I left the home I grew up in, I was so adamant on not repeating the poverty of cycle, not repeating the cycle of like a toxic home environment, not repeating a lot of these cycles. And so I was bent on being successful and I measured success by having a calm home environment and having enough money and just looking like everybody else, a regular life. I thought if I ever buy a house, I will have struck it rich. If I ever buy a house, if I ever find a stable, safe man, To get married to, then I will have made it. And so in my mind, I aspired to a lot and my a lot was a safe home and enough money. Um, But how that turned out was a constant need for perfectionism and a constant striving. And once I got those things, once I got married into a safe partnership, and once I got a job and we purchased our first home by 21, 22 it was like, well, now what? Well, now we have to keep going. And now now we have to keep trying harder. We have to prove to everybody that we have survived and that we've thrived and that we're doing better and that we're just the same as everyone else. And we have to keep going. And it, it really developed this scarcity mindset in me of like, well, I can't just settle now because all of this could just evaporate tomorrow. Because my experience of life up until that point was like, sure, you live here now, but maybe you get evicted tomorrow or maybe this conflict happens in your life. And so... I really struggled to relax and have a safety net. And that made me aspire in so many areas of my life and really become a perfectionist. And that worked out for me great until I got hit with postpartum depression after my second born and then everything sort of crumbled. But I've always been someone who's aspired to a lot and couldn't couldn't quite settle. It never felt enough because it always feels like it could disappear tomorrow. So there's
0: really positive and negative that came with that. Absolutely. And and thank you for even sharing that. I think sometimes it's not only hard for us to recognize where our thought patterns come from or where our um, unhealthy beliefs or limitations come from, but understanding that your past strive for perfection know where that that came from let's talk about that word for a second perfection because i believe that perfection is toxic because it forces us to procrastinate it forces us to compare it forces us to not <laughs> do the things that we want to do because there's this whole analysis paralysis i believe in excellence we can strive for excellence um, but i think a lot of people have this idea of perfection because they're looking at someone else's life because they're um, comparing their life to someone else's and using that as their meter, their barometer for what is good. Right. Absolutely. What would your advice be to any of the women listening about perfection in your journey with struggling with perfection?
1: I'm obsessed with Brene Brown, and one of her books that really changed my life is called The Gifts of Imperfection. And in it, she talks about healthy striving in comparison to perfectionism and the real differences there. And I won't go into all of them, but it's like what you said. It's, there's a difference between striving for something, striving for excellence, striving to meet a goal, and just perfectionism. And I came to a point in my life where I realized I hadn't even taken the time to sit down and look at my life, have self awareness, and have an awareness of what my values were. Because I didn't think of myself as worthy. I had low self esteem. I had low self worth. I didn't have much of a backbone. And so instead of asking myself, what do you want out of life? What's important to you? Is it money? Is it time with your family? Is it travel? is it recreational? Like, is it recreational activities? Is it healthy relationships? What is the most important to you? And then you can prioritize striving for those things and then leaving the other things that don't actually matter to you that might matter to other people. And it's fine that they matter to other people. But because I spent so long not thinking that what I valued was important or not even knowing what I valued... I was just so distracted by all the lights and trying to be perfect in everything that I saw other people as perfect in. And I aspired to be the best of everything. So if I had a friend who was, you know, great at cooking home-cooked organic meals, I tried to be that. But then I also tried to be the friend with the perfectly clean house. And I also tried to be the friend who was, you know, playing on the floor with her kids all day, every day. But I, I also tried to be all of it. And we can't be all of it. And so it wasn't until I was like, what is actually important to me? And how can I focus on that so that I don't get burnt out and exhausted by trying to be perfect in everything? Let's put my energy into striving towards what's valuable to me. And that really was my, I don't want to say cure for perfectionism because I, I still tend to be an achiever and an overachiever. But it's now much easier for me to say, you know what? My house is a mess and it doesn't matter to me because that's not my priority. And I value what my priorities are, but you can't value what your priorities are if you don't take the time to be like, what do I value? And to know that it's important, even if it's different than what's important to somebody else.
0: Yes. You said so many things I want to unpack there. I love all of it. <laughs> totally resonate with it. Um, I, I think that naturally as people, it's easy for us to project our mm. inner insecurities or things that we either don't like about ourselves, our past, our lives, whatever, onto other people. And I think it requires a lot of effort to, instead of project, to reflect and to ask ourselves the questions and to look at ourselves. And I think one of the strong points that you made is about creating that definition for yourself, that definition of what being a good mother looks like, the definition of what success looks like to you, that definition of what perfect is for you, that definition for yourself. And then you're able to basically focus on what's essential, Um, focus on what's important to you, what's a priority to you, rather than what's a priority to someone else. Because as moms, yes, we're both women. Yes, we're both moms, but our priorities may differ. So I can't look at your life and judge my life based on what's happening in yours and vice versa, right? Um, So I think that's a very strong point that you made as well as like your values. I think oftentimes people will look at people on social media that are doing well and compare their lives to that person not realizing that you may have completely different values. You know, you may admire how someone looks online or how their life looks online but that person's priorities may be superficial, maybe money or or fame or whatever. But then you as a person looking at them saying, well, you know, I could never do that or I'm not them, but yet your values are impact and service and you can't compare those things. So it's knowing what your values are and aligning with people that have those similar Values, so you spoke to so many points that I was like, okay where, where are we gonna unpack first?
1: <laughs> oh, a bit of a rambler, I do ramble I should have warned you on that one <laughs> yeah, I love
0: that. and it's not even rambling to me because I get it, so I'm following along, I totally get it, and I think that's another thing that we often do is we'll label ourselves based on you know what I mean our idea of of someone else or what someone else is doing, but it's like to me, I resonate with what you're saying. I understand what you're saying it aligns with my beliefs as well. So it doesn't seem like it's rambling. It may to someone else who isn't there yet or who, you know what I mean? So I think naturally we have a tendency to label ourselves things sometimes that are also based off of our own inner securities because of past experiences. Oh,
1: absolutely. I've always been the person who's talked too much. I was too loud. I was too much. I was too opinionated. I, had too many thoughts and i spent so long t- trying to make myself small or make my sentences more concise or fit into a box that other people wanted me to fit in and it's taken me a long time to own who i am and how much i have to say and how strongly i say it but it's still there that seed of that seed of insecurity is still there of even though i know this is who i am and it's i accept who i am i still feel that tinge of I need a disclaimer, by the way, I'm like this, by the way, I I know, I know I have flaws, I almost feel like if I beat people to the punch, and telling them my flaws, then it doesn't hurt as much. I'd be like, I know, I'm like this, you know, I, I know, I'm a hot mess or I know, I'm whatever. And it's like, it doesn't change the fact that I am or I'm not. It just makes me feel better to say, you might be thinking this about me, but don't worry, like, I
0: already know it about myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I completely resonate because I do the same. <laughs> I get it. I get it completely. And you know, most of us, if not all of us, are adults that are walking around with our childhood wounds, our childhood traumas, and showing up with our trauma responses. Mm -hmm. And part of our armor is like, well, you can't hurt me if I've already put it out there, right? Mm -hmm. I've I've always had that belief because sometimes I say things and I used to overshare on social. And people are like, Did you really just put that out there, write that. And I'm like, well, what can someone else say about me if I've already said it? Like it's, it's already out there. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. You're preaching to the choir. You're preaching to the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I get it.
1: <laughs> but even, even the phrase of oversharing has this negative connotation, right? Or when people say to me, oh, you're so brave for saying that. Or, you know, we talk about oversharing, even when we say it, about ourselves, it can have this, like. by using the word oversharing, it's saying it's too much. It's more than normal. It's over the capacity for what people can handle. It's not in the box that you're supposed to be as a woman or as a person. And it's like, who decides what's normal? Who decides what's a normal amount to share? Just because society... Likes to keep secrets and society struggles with vulnerability and society rewards inauthenticity. Why? Why is it that my sharing of my honest truth is oversharing? Why is it too much? And like pulling apart the social construct of like, what is oversharing? What's socially normal? And who gets to decide that?
0: Yeah, I I agree with you a thousand percent. I think it also comes down to intention. Mm. Um, so uh, with you know, what's quote unquote normal, right? Like, if we were to look at an average of anything, right? It's just there are people who are above or below that invisible line of normal. I am someone who, like yourself, I don't fit into boxes. I just say I'm claustrophobic. Don't put me in a box. I can't breathe. I, I, I'm not your typical mom. I'm not your typical woman. I'm not any of those typical things. I don't fit into that box. I don't want to ever fit into that box. But I feel like when it comes to quote unquote oversharing, I agree with you. It's society has created those boxes. And I believe that our transparency helps other women to not feel alone. It helps other women to be able to walk in their own greatness. It helps other women to be inspired to do the same, to change those generational patterns. But I also believe there are some people who are in their place of, they haven't even started their healing journey and whether they're sharing because they want the attention or the sympathy or, you know, mm-hmm. any of those things, that's not what we're doing, but just understanding there are the word I'm looking for. Um, and neither is, I want to say neither is good or bad. It's just about a different, a different place in their journey or a different, yeah. Yeah. There's different intentions
1: and there's different risks as well. I mean, with vulnerability and with sharing our lives does come risk. And, you know, whether it's to our reputation, whether it's to our relationships in our families or, or other relationships we have, there's, there's risks that come with vulnerability. And for me, I had to get to a place where when I'm going to share something, I have to weigh the risks. You know the benefits are connection, the benefits are helping people, the benefits are letting people know they're not alone, making those little minor connections for other people to help them along in their journey. And are those benefits worth the risks in my life? And without that, again, awareness of ourselves and awareness of benefit and risk, vulnerability can be damaging and can be hurtful. Not that it's right or wrong, but it can cause pain and hurt if we're not aware of what it actually means to share that information.
0: Yes. You said that perfectly. Like it's going to make me now reevaluate the content that I put up when I'm looking at the, the risk assessment, the benefit uh, assessment. Like I, I am someone who intentionally shares to either be of service to inspire, to educate all those things, to give you a, a quick example, I had someone comment on a story I posted a week ago um, because I was talking about a lot of the people who I interact with online, because social media can be an interesting place. It is it is what you make of it, right? It can be good and it can be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I like to follow people that inspire me, people I can learn things from, you know, people that are teaching me something. So when I put content out there, it's for the same purpose, but there are people that don't know you outside of what you put up online and will create their own story, their own narrative of your life based on these snippets that they see or hear of you, not knowing that you could be online every day, still showing up, whether it be for five minutes a day or whatever it takes you to, to put up the content. And yes, you're being of service, you're helping, you're inspiring, you're educating, but you could be dealing with something in the background, There it be a, a family issue or a financial issue, whatever the issue is, right? It is your choice, whether you choose to share that or not. And if your niche or your focus or your agenda is whatever you know lane that you're in, people should not be judging your entire life based off of one snippet of content and i had someone comment on my story that basically said you know as coaches and influencers how we are fake for you know not sharing that side so i had to create more content to educate <laughs> that there are those of us out there that one we do have a choice of our personal life how deep we choose to share i'm a very public person i say that i'm an open book but i'm also entitled to privacy in certain parts of my life so i no longer share detailed information about my romantic relationship because i've had three public relationships that went horrible (laughs) but but basically just letting her know like we don't post for the validation or the the applause or um to be judged because that was Basically, what she was saying in her comment. And not only do we have that choice to share what we want to share, what we choose to share, I totally lost train of thought of what my point was. (laughs) So we get to choose what we
1: share, but we don't owe people anything. I think that's the thing. When you share parts of your life online and when you are vulnerable, it all of a sudden makes people feel like you owe them an explanation for absolutely everything. Oh, well you shared this vulnerable part of your life. So why aren't you sharing this part and you shared this? So why aren't you sharing this? And it's almost like, no, it's a privilege for you to know these parts of my life. And I intentionally share them to help, to inspire, to educate, but that doesn't mean that you should know every single detail of my life. And really separating that, like, I don't owe people anything. You you see it when anything political big happens in the world. And the number of DMs and comments I get are, not you going to say something about this? But the thing is, is whatever I say, there's going to be people who disagree So I need to weigh the risks and the benefits of what I share, because at the end of the day, it's my reputation and my platform and my values and everything about my life that's going to be affected. You just get to leave your comment and be on your merry way. But what I share has a massive impact. And to expect that you should just be privy to absolutely every opinion and thought and experience I have is really unfair And I think as creators, it's really up to us to have those boundaries and to be clear on what those are. I had an opposite experience to you where last week I got a huge DM from someone basically saying, hey there, I know we're both on a healing journey and we're at different spots and you didn't ask for my feedback, but I just thought I would share that I think that you focusing so much on the negative aspects of motherhood is making you have a more negative experience of motherhood. And I didn't respond to it. But I just thought that this is exactly what it is. You know, there's so much. I see so many narratives around motherhood where you only have to focus on the positive that I intentionally have curated a niche audience of people who are comfortable with sharing the hard things and who know that it doesn't mean you love your kids less or you're not enjoying being a mom or anything like that but I I do it intentionally. I share the hard things intentionally. That doesn't mean I'm not having positive experiences. It just means that I know by me just sharing all the positive experiences, I'm not reaching my goal, which is letting people know it's okay to struggle. And so people think they know everything. They think that because I'm only sharing those parts that are hard or making a joke about something bad that happened, that that's all that's happening. And I think... When you aren't a creator, it's hard to understand that what you're seeing online isn't someone's whole life. They are creating niche content for a specific purpose a lot of the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And people and people, and here's the other part is taking advantage of vulnerability. So I am an open book. I share a lot of details about my life. I share a lot of Vulnerable things. And for the most part, like I think of my platforms as my little corner of the internet where we can be vulnerable with each other and talk about hard things. But the reality is, there are people, brands, coaches, marketers, businesses out there who see that and want to capitalize on it. Whether that's me trying to give them a juicy detail in a podcast to get them more views, not to help people, not to provide them value or inspiration, just to get more views to make more money. Or whether that's um, me coming to an event to use my face for their event, which is really nothing to do with my values or goals, but it's, it's just to use that. I've had to become much more cognizant of looking at other people's intentions and looking at what am I getting out of this? Is this, in, is me doing this event? Is me working with this brand? Is me making this post going to offer value to the people? that I serve in the way that I want to reaching my goals, or is it just for them? Are they trying to take advantage of me or are they good souled, good hearted humans with the same visions and goals as I am? Um, and it's just taken, I've been hurt a few times. I've been taken advantage of, and it just makes you step back and like rethink every collaboration and every conversation and every new friendship as it comes through the door.
0: I think it's very important as a woman, especially a woman in business, to look at the exchange of value. A lot of us are, you know, when you said the story in the beginning about seeing the cashier and money, like a lot of us are conditioned to believe that the value is only in money. But if you look at what people are looking for from you, it's your energy The brand looking for, because it takes you energy to create the content for the brand partnership. It takes your energy to do the interactions and the exchanges. It takes your energy to show up to their event, to show your face, interact with people and network. It's your energy. So, you know, just like you, I've had the bad experiences and I've had to learn, is this an exchange of energy that I can afford to entertain? You know, I get the the email invite inviting me to show up to a PR event. Is this an exchange of energy that I can afford to entertain? Or do they just want me to show up? So my picture is there, the tags, the shares, or is there an exchange of value here? Absolutely. And
1: that starts with valuing your energy. And that's whether you're a woman in business or you're a stay-at-home mom or you're any woman, we need to know our value and see our value and see our worth before we can put up boundaries around it. Because you can't have boundaries around something you don't think is important or you don't think is valuable. So we need to actually say, you know what? My energy is important. What I do is important. What I say, how I spend my time is important and is valuable. And you. I guess what I'm just trying to say is like, you can't execute on any of those things unless you actually believe that you're valuable and worthy.
0: Yes. Agreed. Okay. So let's talk about boundaries. I want to talk about boundaries. Well, it's going to apply to everyone, not just women, not just women in business, not just stay at home. It's going to apply to everyone because when you create a boundary, it is to protect what is inside. It is to hold sacred. What's inside of this boundary. But once you do that, there are people that are upset and angry and will get, the, they will say certain things and create smear campaigns, do whatever, because they feel that it's, it's they're not even looking at the perspective of you're trying to protect something. They look at it as you're keeping them out. You've changed. You were doing them wrong because they no longer have access to your energy. So let's talk about boundaries for the women that are listening. How did Libby learn to create boundaries
1: a lot of therapy (laughs) a lot of therapy and Brene Brown will say and the death of my father last Christmas
0: my condolences
1: thanks I you know I've been in therapy for let's say seven years now regularly working through a lot of things everything from my childhood to different traumatic experiences I've had, being a perfectionist, being a people pleaser, valuing other people's emotions and wants and needs and experiences more than I value my own. And I would say for five of those seven years, I had the knowledge of what boundaries were. And I had the understanding of why they were important and the impact of what having them would have on my mental health and my peace. And I knew all the good things that would come from having boundaries. And I knew what the bad things were that would come and by bad things i mean you know people being unhappy with them or feeling like you're disappointing people or guilt you know i i had all the logical knowledge around boundaries but i really struggled to actually not only set them but maintain them because we talk about setting boundaries it's more work to maintain boundaries than it is to set them because with the and if it's someone that you need boundaries with then you're definitely going to need to keep repeating them because you wouldn't be having to put up boundaries in the first place if they were someone who was respecting them So anyway, I had all this knowledge and it wasn't until there was some key parts, key experiences, key things that happened in my life and in relationships in my life where I was so hurt. And it reminded me of all the other hurts that have happened in the same situations with the same person over many, many years. And I just kept getting hurt and kept going, no, we'll do boundaries next time. We'll do boundaries next time. And it wasn't until my dad was in the hospital last Christmas and, you know, We thought he would get out. He didn't. And I realized that I had been putting him on the back burner. My parents were separated for a long time. And as he was in the hospital, I was like, you know what? I finally need to put up these boundaries with my mom that I've been wanting to put for seven years and that I keep breaking because it makes me feel too guilty to keep them. And I'm like, here is my dad. Who, you know, I could talk a whole lot more about him, but hasn't hurt me in those ways and is passive and quiet and is easy to push to the side because my mom is the louder one who needs more attention and needs more help and needs more saving and needs more me and that I have this codependent relationship with. I'm like, here he is. I, I could lose him. I could lose him and I will have to live with the regret that I let somebody else take precedence over him because they were pushy enough to do it and I felt too guilty And I finally was like, no, like we're, we're done. We're going to have dad for Christmas this year. When dad gets out, we're going to have him for Christmas. And from now on, I'm going to choose to spend time with him. And I'm not going to feel bad about saying no to mom, or I'm not going to feel bad about putting up these other boundaries because I know they'll keep me peaceful. Even if they hurt her, I'm going to make choices that I want to make that serve me. Even if they hurt her or hurt other people. So he died. And ever since then, it has just been that drive for me that has said, I don't have time to waste. You know, I'm nearly 35 years old. Uh, you, we don't know how many more days we're going to get on the earth, how many days we're going to get with other people in our lives. And my peace matters, and my happiness matters, and my children's lives matter. And there's so much in my life that I value and I see the worth in now and that I see as making that boundary is worth the risk. It's worth the risk of hurting someone. And it's not my responsibility to keep anybody else happy. It's my responsibility to respect myself and my own worth and my own value and my children's. And so that's the long version. You said sometimes people tell you things they've never said on another podcast. And there we go.
0: There we go. It's, I had to mute my mic because um, I'm a crier. So, so my eyes were watering and I'm like, okay, can you keep, <laughs> keep it together? Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your transparency. Yeah. I'm sorry for your loss. And I know that when you lose someone that is very near and dear to your heart, the, the grief is a lot heavier. Um, the life lessons seem to be a lot larger. And I, can't imagine losing a parent, especially, you know, someone that you love so much. Because um, I feel like something that we don't talk about enough is that many of us do have toxic parents that we have to set these heavy boundaries with. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it is a the, the parent that you want to cherish and that you have the healthy relationship with, um, I couldn't imagine um, what you're dealing with uh, now. But thank you for for sharing that. And I think that a lot of the women that are listening, like, there's so much there that we can all relate to in terms of, one, prioritizing the relationships in our life, looking at those relationships that are draining us, that are constantly having withdrawals from us, the energy withdrawals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We can make a list of those close relationships around us and look at... Who we should be prioritizing our time and energy to those relationships that bring us peace, joy, happiness, love, connection. Because so many of us are consumed by those other family relationships, the toxicity of those relationships, because that's all we knew. And then it's like, oh, well, that's your mother, or that's your sibling, or that. So you're supposed to excuse that behavior. No. Like, no. right. I put up a post um, a couple of days ago. Um, because I saw someone else's post about blood is not thicker than mental health. And I added in that, you know, we don't have to excuse the toxicity of a family member just because you're related to them. Don't look at just their title or how long you've known that person, remove the title and address the behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And The number
1: of times I said yes to things out of a sense of obligation or responsibility or guilt, and then I would leave an interaction with someone I should have spent or put boundaries up with, I would feel exhausted. I would feel drained. I would feel run down, but it didn't just affect me. It affected everything. I was snappier at my kids. I was snappier at my husband. I didn't have energy to hang out with a friend who filled my cup up. I didn't have energy to do the other things I wanted to do. And so it's not just a matter of having friction with one person and it affecting you. It affects everything. And then the people that you do cherish, that do fill your cup up, that do bring all those other good things into your life, they then get the worst version of you. They get the worst version of you. And they're the ones that aren't stealing your piece. But because somebody else stole your piece, because you allowed somebody else to steal your piece, they are now on the the butt end of the stick. and they end up getting hurt. And then and then it's guilt, right? It's guilt over not having the boundary. And then it's guilt over hurting people you love because you didn't have the boundary. And it's it's a cycle, that guilt and shame cycle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You used a key word there where you said aloud. I hear too often someone blaming someone else or, you know, they did this, they did that. Sometimes we give people permission to do those things by what we accept. Right. So it's looking at ourselves again, taking the power back and saying, well, what are we allowed? Where can we put our foot down and make changes? Where can we set that that boundary? There was something else you said that I I wanted to touch on. Um, It was about the energy that you end up giving other people when you spend time with people that drain you. Like energy is transferable. So when we are around people, pay attention to how you feel when you leave that person. Do you feel happy or do you feel depleted? You know, this is why I don't take random incoming phone calls anymore because you could be having a great day and someone call you and totally knock you off. (laughs) You're behind with whether it be their own drama or something else that isn't an emergency and throws off your entire day. So pay attention to how you feel when you interact with, with people and give that energy to those that lift your spirit those that bring you peace those that bring you joy those that understand or allow you to just be because oftentimes when we're raised in you know toxic family situations everything that you do or say or feel um gets put into question you know you're gaslighted into you know how so many things (laughs) yeah and
1: i i always like to speak to the guilt and shame that come with boundaries recovering people pleasing recovering perfectionism for a long time i felt like what is wrong with me like why can't i just say no why can't i just keep this boundary people keep saying oh just do this and i and i can't do it and it's so hard and i really had to get to a place where i had to give myself grace and say you were conditioned for 18 years daily sometimes more often than daily you were conditioned to value yourself less, to value your feelings less, to value your needs less, to fully believe in your core that what other people wanted and needed was more important than what you wanted and needed. And having the knowledge that boundaries are going to help you and having people tell you to set them up and knowing that that peace is going to come can't happen overnight. It, It takes a lot of unconditioning and unlearning what you were conditioned to be like for 18 years. So give yourself grace in the process of setting boundaries. Know that just because you set boundaries and just because you may get some peace, it doesn't mean the guilt's not still going to come or that you're not still going to feel some shame around why it's so hard for you or that you still feel responsible, even though you know you shouldn't feel responsible. It's so complex because it's our childhood is ingrained in us and it changes us on a biological level. And it takes so much energy to break those cycles, so much energy. And that is energy that you're then taking from other parts of your life. And so you're not a failure. You're not just a hot mess. You're not just a terrible person who sucks at adulting and boundaries. You're a human being who's been conditioned a certain way and you're putting energy into unlearning those things. And it's going to take time.
0: Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I think um, not only did I need that reminder, but uh, the ladies that are listening will definitely appreciate that. I wanted to read one of your captions from one of your recent Instagram posts. I thought it was the problem for a very long time. The problem with being raised in a toxic or emotionally immature home environment is that even though it feels chaotic or stressful or filled with conflict, that's all you really know. You want to be different, but you don't necessarily have the tools to get there. That's why being a cycle breaker is so hard, because no matter what cycle you're breaking, you're actively unlearning bad habits, learning good ones, and simultaneously trying to model or teach them to your kids. It's not for the faint at heart. You come to the point when you accept that people might think you're the problem, but you begin to value your peace. And the family you are raising more than you do the opinions or expectations of others. So maybe we are the problem in some people's eyes, but those people are probably the ones you're trying to recover the most from anyway. So I'd say keep being the problem. I
1: resonated with that so hard. <laughs> Sometimes when people read things back to me, I'm like, "Did
0: I write that? Oh, god! I, I did last five of my books." Is- <laughs>
1: Good, (laughs) right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I resonated with that so freaking hard because you know the pandemic allowed me the space I needed to do the deeper healing work. And I have one of those toxic parents and grew up in that toxic environment where you were taught to put other people's needs first, where you were gaslighted constantly, where you were taught that your needs don't matter because theirs comes first. And the more that I honored my boundaries, the bigger the problem that I became. I'm, you know, the labels that I got were I'm selfish and I don't care. And, you know, all those other things. Or how could you treat your, whatever the title is they have that way or whatever. And doing the work to become the cycle breaker for my children setting the example of you don't have to tolerate this toxic behavior regardless of who it's from. I don't care. I said, I like, I say to them, I pray to God that you never have to one day say, well, I don't want to interact with my mother. I really hope that I'm showing you that you can honor yourself, but you don't have to tolerate BS from, from anyone else. So in your caption, it's like, I don't know, it resonated with me because I'm like, Okay, fine. Then I guess I am the problem. <laughs> like yep. it, it set off that light bulb for me, where it's like, okay, I was trying so hard to be the cycle breaker and getting all of this negativity from the people that you're setting the boundaries from. But it's like, okay, fine, no problem. I'll be the bad guy. It's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you you can't be a cycle breaker and be liked by everyone in the process. Yeah. By having boundaries, by knowing who you are, by knowing your worth and your value and acting on that, you are going to ruffle feathers. And if you're not ruffling feathers, then you're not being true to yourself. Yeah. And if people can't respect that your needs and your peace are valuable as well, that's on them. That's yeah. not, that's not on you.
0: Yeah. So let, let's talk about that quickly. Like, obviously doing the work comes with challenges and bumps. And when you have children, you're trying to reprogram what you've learned and change that cycle for them to help them not have to deal with the generational trauma and and things like that. So how has motherhood changed you? That's a whole other podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How has motherhood changed me? I think I said this to someone yesterday all throughout, let's say my daughter's life. I look at her and I see qualities in her that I think are the most amazing, beautiful, magical, strong, wonderful things. And they are the exact same qualities I have hated in myself. And, (laughs) you know, I look at my children and I think for so long, I didn't think that I was important and I didn't value myself and I didn't value my needs and wants. And it wasn't worth setting the boundaries because I didn't think much of myself, but I care more about you than I care about myself and it makes it worth doing the work. And I think when I started off resonating with being a cycle breaker and trying to change those cycles, it was out of a desire to not continue the cycle for them because I saw them as more important than me. I thought it, it wasn't worth my energy to do all of this for myself, but it's worth it for you. And eventually that turned into, if you're worth it, then I'm also worth it. It's not just for you. It's not just about being a martyr. It's not just about my kids are my whole world and my kids are everything and they deserve it even when I don't. It started off as that and it turned into, but I'm also a child and I'm also human and I'm also somebody other than just a mother. I'm a child who was hurt and, and a mother who is tired, and a human who deserves rest and play and leisure and success and all the things that I want for my children. And maybe my parent couldn't think that or do that or act on those beliefs for me. And maybe I'm doing that for my kids, but I can do it for myself too. And so it's changed me in that it's made me realize that I am just as valuable as they are as human beings. And it's made it worth breaking the cycle. Wow. That was beautiful, Libby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Had to mute myself again because I was <laughs> sniffling. <laughs> we are making me cry podcast. again.
1: <laughs> making me cry twice in one podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> on these podcasts, we either cry a lot or we laugh a lot. Or both. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: I, I like both. My bio used to say <laughs> laugh, cry, give yourself grace. Cause you can't yeah, be all yeah. or you can't you can't be all of it. That's why my account is like I'm doing a very terrible version of the worm and breakdancing in one video and then I'm like making you cry about motherhood in the other, because we can't have all of one. If you make a joke about everything, you can't really grow because everything's a joke. And if you're serious about everything, then it's like life isn't supposed to be like that all the time.
0: Yeah. Let's do both. Let's laugh yeah. and cry. <laughs>
1: And give ourselves grace.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't know where the time disappeared to. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Like, where did the time go? Uh, Okay. So before I go to the, the rapid fire, the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online.
1: Yes. You can stay connected with me online on TikTok, on Instagram, at Diary of an Honest Mom. You can find me on my website com, And I actually just released a free printable guided journal that helps moms get more self-awareness so that they can struggle less with guilt and expectations and perfectionism and all that fun stuff. So
0: that's where you can find me. Love it. Love it. Love it. I will have all of the details where they can connect with you um, in the details section of the episode. So they don't have to search too far. They can just click and connect with you directly because I'm all in my feelings now and I'm Need to go sniffle. Um, (laughs) We're going to try to make the rapid fire rapid.
1: (laughs) Awesome. I'll try my best.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So finish this sentence. I forgive myself for not valuing my worth. Love it. What advice would you give to a woman trying to rush her healing journey? Slow down. It's not going to happen overnight. Love it. What failure has taught you the most about life? And do you have a favorite failure?
1: This is supposed to be rapid. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Rapid, deep questions. (laughs) Okay.
1: I can't think of a specific failure other than trying for too long to be perfect and fit into everybody else's box. What's the second part of the question? If you had a favorite failure. I don't have a favorite failure. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of any. I fail constantly. (laughs) Right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Failing our way to success. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? It would say you are enough. And it would say that because
1: I talk to women every single day who believe in their heart of hearts that they are not enough and they need to prove that they are by doing or being or pleasing or building or caring or being busy. And I want everyone, but women specifically, to know that they don't need to do anything or serve anyone or care for or work for anything to be enough. Simply as you are, you're enough.
0: <sighs> okay. Name the most worthwhile investment that you've ever made. And that can be of money, time, energy. My most
1: worthwhile investment I've ever made professionally was wasting hours on TikTok every day for the first year of the pandemic (laughs) because I never would have connected with the women I connect with now, built a platform, built a business and be making the waves in the world I think I'm making today. And that was a lot of time that caused a lot of friction because I was quite into the whole TikTok thing, (laughs) (laughs) but it started me. Um, That's the biggest time investment. I guess, personally, the best investment I've made is energy into cycle breaking with my children. It's so hard. It would be so easy just to continue the cycle, just to yell when I want to yell, Ignore when I want to ignore, send them to their room and ignore their needs. It'd be so easy to do the things that I naturally instinctively want to react to. Um, But it's worth the energy in doing the hard thing because it's going to affect every generation that comes after me.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Last but not least, what impact do you want to have in the world?
1: I want to change the narrative of what it means to be a good mother. That's what I want to do.
0: That's powerful.
1: I have goosebumps. I'm only not talking because it's supposed to be rapid. I
0: have more to say, but we'll
1: we'll save that for the next episode.
0: (laughs) Honestly, thank you so much, Libby. You know what? I I say this all the time and I say it publicly. Like part of me doing this podcast is selfishly for me. Um, I think these conversations are so healing. I think that the... I think I'm I'm blessed to connect with women like yourself that are okay with being vulnerable and transparent. I think that you women that are sharing your stories, the good, the bad, the ugly, and using your platform, not just to show the light, but to also let people know the shadow side of things is so needed. So thank you for just being who you are. Thank you for your energy today. I truly appreciate you.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me. This has been a great conversation. I've never cried so much in a podcast.
0: So. <laughs> that at all. <laughs> thank you so much, Libby. And you know to all you healers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms. Don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And I just want to thank each and every single one of you that continues to listen each week. Um, so that we globally rank in the top 1.5 percent of most popular shows out of all podcasts, because that's almost three million. Um, so I'm just mind blown. Um, but <laughs> I, I would love to know what resonated with you. Um, you know, feel free to screenshot this week's episode, and you can tag us. You can tag Libby at Diary of an Honest Mom, and you can tag myself at the Real McKinney Smith. Uh, A healthy community is a healing community. And a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal her. Thank you. That's great.